What's up, guys, and welcome to episode number two of Crave the Book. Today, we're going to be discussing chapters three through seven of Crave, and we get into some interesting topics, including Grace's first night at Katmere, along with the panic attack that she goes through and some of the weird encounters that she has once she leaves her bedroom. So, I guess we'll go ahead and jump right into the episode. Make sure that you subscribe in the meantime. That way you don't miss future episodes from Amber and I. All right, guys, welcome to episode two. For all of our new listeners, make sure that you follow us on your favorite podcast app, whatever that may be. We're now on Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, TuneIn, which is apparently connected to Alexa's. So if you've got an Alexa, you can ask your Alexa to play us. Uh, we're on iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, Stitcher, and we actually just made it onto Google Podcasts. We're still waiting on approval from Pandora, and I don't know if we're going to be able to make it with Apple Podcasts because their process is kind of a pain in the butt. But you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want some fun visuals along with the podcast as well. So that's really exciting. And to stack on top of all the excitement, uh, we actually hit the top 10% of all podcasts like within how many days, Amber, was it? It was within five. Five days. Five? Yeah five days of releasing this podcast. So a huge thank you to everybody who has listened, who has tuned in, who has sent us nice messages on Instagram. If you want to reach out to us, the best way to do so is via our Instagram, which is Crave Series Aesthetic. So you can message us there. We have fun things that we do on Wingo Wednesdays, which is when these episodes air in the uh, in the story highlights and stories. We do a Flint Friday where we talk about the Trevor Project. We do a lot of fun things and we do polls and things that will actually be brought up during the podcast. Now, because we hit that top 10% uh, this week, we're going to be holding a giveaway. And we thought that this was going to be something that we would host a couple months into the podcast, but you guys helped us smash that goal of reaching. I, I think that we we wanted to hit the top like 15% and we ended up hitting the top 10% of all podcasts with the first episode. So thank you. Thank you. In episode four, we are going to be doing a huge giveaway. And the reason that it's taking us a little bit of time is we're actually collaborating with Entangled Teen, which is the publishing company for the Crave series. So we on our end can announce what our prizes are, but we don't quite know what Entangled Teen are going to be contributing. So we'll wait to hear back from them. Uh, but we'll be announcing that giveaway in episode for. But just know that if you're following us on Instagram, you can see the sneak previews of the items over the next few weeks. We're going to be doing a hoodie in whatever size you need. I think that we can go from size extra small to 5X. And it's going to have gargoyle wings on the back. And it says Ludare's Coach uh, with the purple Catmere Academy logo. Uh, the sleeve says Team Catmere. And the front of that hoodie says Catmere Academy with the logo. So it kind of has like this varsity hoodie look to it. And we're also going to be doing a blanket, a Crave-themed blanket with some of the symbols from each of the book covers, but done in the line art style that you see from our podcast. 
uh, and the Cat Mirror Academy logo. And we're also going to be doing a matching journal with that same style. So those items are all going to be in this giveaway along with whatever goodies Entangled Teen decide to throw in. So just keep an eye out for that and we will announce it in episode four. But for all of our new listeners who are tuning in for the very first time, today we're going to be covering chapters four through eight of Crave book one. So Amber, do you want to go ahead and lead us off into our disclaimer? Yeah, so we want to make sure that our podcast is spoiler free for anybody that wants to make sure that they're reading along with us and don't get any surprises ruined. So the first half of our podcast, we'll be talking about chapters four through eight, where it will be spoiler free. We will literally be talking just about those chapters. And then you've got to listen out for the super, super exciting howl of a wolf. Uh, and once that howl has happened, that is the spoiler alert. It means time to leave if you don't want any surprises or anything ruined, uh, because we're about to go into spoiler territory, where we talk about fan theories, we talk about our own ideas on what's going to happen in court when it gets released, our own silly theories about characters. Um, Uncle Phil will always get a room <laughs> on our podcast. So, yeah. Just listen out for the howl and feel free to come back as well once you get to that point in the book. Absolutely. And you know, we keep saying chapters four through eight. It's it's technically chapters four through seven because we stop at chapter eight. Yes. Yeah. So sorry for, for that. Uh, so it will be chapters four, five, six, and seven that we're covering in today's episode. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and hop into our non-spoiler topics where we left off. Uh, I think that Grace had just entered Catmere Academy and she had her very awkward conversation with Jackson and the face touching and the way too close. <laughs> uh, I don't know, the lack of uh, personal he had space. no personal space. Her, yeah. her bubble was very violated. <laughs> don't violate the bubble. That's that was the lesson <laughs> of episode one. So we have to we have to make sure that we try to figure out what the lesson of episode two is. I I think that we will are actually, you know, the lesson of episode two should be to make sure that your audio file doesn't be you know, doesn't end up corrupted. Because this is actually <laughs> the second time that Amber and I have recorded this episode, because we recorded episodes two and three, and both of the audio files were corrupted on my end. Um, so we're re-recording them, but that means that it'll be even better than ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's see. So Grace had her weird encounter with Jackson, but then of course, Macy has gone to go get Uncle Finn and they have returned and Jackson has mysteriously disappeared. Now, obviously, there are some things that are screwy afoot and this is not like spoiler territory because if you're reading the series, I'm sure you know that this is not a story about a normal boarding school with normal students. I think that the, the drip of blood on the cover has given you some indication that there's something not quite right going on with this academy. Um, and one of the things that I noticed my second read through was that Finn says to Grace, there's something that they need to discuss. So, um, Amber, was this, do you think that this was him planning to tell her and just not knowing the right time to do it? Because I mean, Grace has been through so much at this point and just laying on, oh, by the way, fairy tale creatures are real. I think that that might be <laughs> a little, the thing that pushes her overboard. I also wonder whether he would have that discussion with her as the headmaster or as her uncle, because 
th- th- they would be two very different discussions because he wouldn't just be talking about the fact that as an uncle he is special and that therefore her father was special like it's not just oh by the way welcome to a school full of supernatural creatures there's so much history that he just kind of skips because it's not convenient time <laughs> yeah and and th- that her parents lied to her her entire life which you know obviously they did it for the right reasons and and what the great thing about us recording episode two now is that amber and i gained access to the vampire court uh bonus chapters the dragon court bonus chapters and the witches court bonus chapters and the cool thing about the witches court bonus chapters is that it goes into more of the backstory of grace's parents which i really enjoyed reading so we get to hear a little bit more about them um but that that would be quite the predicament because it's not just oh you're at a supernatural school it's oh your life is a lie and everything (laughs) you've been told is a lie yeah and the fact that he kind of skips that conversation and he he actively makes that choice to not have that conversation then as well um i mean grace doesn't complain about feeling ill she doesn't complain about feeling tired he just goes oh you should probably go to your room yeah and you know he maybe he thinks that macy maybe he he wants macy to be the one to break it to her or maybe it's it's just one of those things where he thinks that it would be better for her to get acclimated first um he also mentions her therapist and i'm like maybe maybe he would sort of pass the buck to the therapist to sort of either that or test let her know yeah have the therapist test the waters and see if she's even capable of being able to handle this new bit of information like he went he needs to know how messed up is this girl like how, how is she okay is she gonna be able to adequately handle this huge info bomb that we're about to hit her with or is this the thing that's going to absolutely push her over the edge and make her completely lose her mind which uh, amber and i have brought this up on multiple occasions but where the hell is grace's therapist why i grace and along with all of these these children, I think, need to be seeing like a therapist or or have some required therapy sessions because not only is Grace going through an immense amount of trauma, which we see that through her panic attacks, her constant anxiety, um, and her her overall. If you notice episode or episode uh, chapters one through seven so far, Grace has not had a single happy moment. There has not been any happiness coming from her, which. Those are those are some big red flags. And there's a lot of new things for her as well. She's never she's never been the way that she described being on an airplane wasn't exactly somebody who was just a seasoned flyer. So, right. And imagining yeah. them crashing and her visualizing her parents be their mangled bodies. Yeah, the whole trip was just series of series of alive traumas constantly. And she goes on the snowmobile. She thinks her eyes are going to freeze. She's not having a good time. And then she gets told, oh, by the way, it's going to be very difficult for you to breathe here. Yeah, it's the one thing that should be normal. Breathing is not normal at all. Um, so and she struggles with it as well because she has panic attacks. <laughs> Oh yeah, which which makes things even worse um for anybody who's never had a panic attack. Um so 
we've got the 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 therapist we you know, but you know what when it comes to the therapist and the reason why I said that all of these kids should be seeing a therapist is if we're thinking back to the things that happened before the events of Crave, uh, moderate spoiler territory, but, but not too much. Some crazy things happened. Some crazy things happened before Grace even arrived at Catmere Academy that has left a majority of the student body very traumatized. Characters like Flint, uh, Jackson, these characters went through something very, very traumatic that you learn about later in the book. I think that this would definitely be a time for a therapist to step in and start working with all of these, these students, which, you know, that might have, if that had been the case, this might have made things a little bit easier for Grace as well, because there are some, definitely some tension, like, taking place with the students. Uh, we've got, um, Jackson obviously is not okay. We, we see that in his first encounter with Grace. And I know that that is a typical behavior of a YA, you know, male character. But at the same time, when we're looking at this from a psychological standpoint, the way that he's acting with that immediate, like, bitterness, it's not healthy. It's not healthy behavior. No. And we actually had one of our listeners message us um, saying that she had a different viewpoint on how Jackson acted. Um, she said that, uh, and, and shout out to the girl, I can't remember your name off the top of my hand, and I don't want to check my phone because it will just keep buzzing. Um, but she said that she thinks that Jackson was being very um, mature, that he was trying, to, he was trying to be mature, probably wasn't coming across that way, but he was trying to be the person that looked after everyone even if it came across very unwelcoming um, because he felt like he had to be the big brother, which was a very interesting concept. And I didn't think of it like that, but it's kind of like, you know, when you see um, a child having to step up and be the father of the house, the man of the house, and it, it comes across really weird and wrong and that they probably sometimes don't get the sentences right. And they say the wrong things. But it's actually that they're trying to step up. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that makes total sense. And he is trying to put a lot of this pressure on himself, um, because of things that took place last year, which new listeners, you'll find out about that soon. But I also feel that he is not the adult in this situation. Finn is the adult. Um, obviously Jackson is very, very old, but he still has the mindset of someone, you know, how old is he? 17? He's 200. Well, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think he, I think he would probably identify as 17 years old. Yeah. So he's acting very much in character with how I would expect a 17 year old boy, angsty teen year old, or 17 year old boy to act. Um, and, and that would make it it would make it much easier if he just went look i know who you are we had loads of assemblies about you coming here i really don't think you should come to school here genuinely it's probably the most dangerous place that you could possibly be right now um i would probably have a word with your uncle uh he might give you a bit more information but seriously you need to leave because i fear for your life yeah. But he didn't. He, he was there, there's just really rude. 
there are better ways to handle things. There are better ways to communication is key and communication will be key for your entire life. So getting good at communication should be your priority in, in, in life. I think, I think that a lot of us bumble by, um, without properly learning how to communicate. And then for example, when we get into things like relationships, uh, marriages, things like that, not knowing how to communicate is what's going to make or break your entire life, whether that be your career, whether that be your your ability to be a a partner to someone or a parent someday. Communication skills are huge. And Jackson shows exactly what I would expect of somebody who has not been able to exercise their communication skills, which in one way, I would say that there is a br- brilliant excuse for that. And that is because he is a teenager and he has not had the adequate amount of time to practice it. On the other hand, he has had 200 years to practice it. <laughs> so I don't really give him a lot of credit there the way that some might only because I'm looking at this on a psychological standpoint. I think that Jackson is a fantastic character, but I will die on my soapbox when I say that he is not a good partner for Grace. But we'll uh, we'll leave that there for now because I don't want to go into the spoiler topics just yet. And Amber and I, I think, have very similar opinions that we tend to feel passionately about. Yes. <laughs> And so, it is really, really hard not to give you spoilers. I, th- I hope you guys appreciate how hard it is mm-hmm. not to go into our diehard fan theories and just we we really struggle to make sure that we don't give anybody the, the like we don't want to ruin the surprises because there's so much, especially in cover, that it gets it gets answered. Exactly. Or not, or not answered, and then you're left wanting more answers, <laughs> and you're like, no! I can't wait until yeah. we cover Covet on the podcast. That That is going to be, because Covet was my favorite. Um, it wasn't, actually, Crush was my favorite, but Covet had my favorite scenes, so. Um, Crush was the most enjoyable. Yes, Covet was. Covet was the most, like, it's the one that sticks in your mind because so much happens. Yeah. So if you guys are still reading Crave, just know that it gets better and better and better and better. Um, yes. So one of my favorite characters, one of, one of, uh, Amber's favorite characters, we are introduced to Flint in this, uh, this series of scenes. And Flint is very friendly <laughs> starting out. He is very friendly. Um, Amber, if you arrive at a new school and first encounter was uh, with a handsome boy who was very, very mean to you, and second encounter is with a handsome boy who's very, very nice to you, but then that handsome boy wants to carry you, piggyback you up the steps, what is your answer? Uh, at 17, no. <laughs> uh, I would, I would die of embarrassment. Um, and at 28, uh, uh, still no, um, (laughs) I I would worry that like the combined weight of me and this beautiful, beautiful man might actually just demolish some stairs. Um, I would be like, no, 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 I will break you. Please, (laughs) (laughs) please don't. But if, if he was a huge hulking, handsome man that I knew could. I insist, Amber, I insist. Could could it could lift me like I knew that if he if he could prove that he would definitely not struggle up the stairs I would climb him like a tree. <laughs> 
I think it's every girl's fantasy, isn't it? That they they never want to feel like they're too heavy for a man. Whisk me away, whisk me yeah. away. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like it's super, super romantic. There are even some moments where like, there is something that Scott, my husband, can see over the top of a fence and I can't because I'm too short. And he's like, I'll give you a boost. And I'm like, I will break you. <laughs> and he's like, no, you won't. He was like, I'll give you a boost. And then he's like sat there and he's like, I, I can carry your weight. And there's just this indoctrinated idea in our heads that we're going to be too heavy and, and how, it's so mean to ourselves how t- you're five two right yeah i am tiny i am also five two and i believe that is grace five two she's definitely short she talks about being short all the time i think that she i think that she's around our height as well which you know i'll i'll admit being being as short as I am, I'm. People don't really offend me when they call me short. I get called short all the time. But if someone thought like, "Oh, you're so tiny, I need to carry you up the steps because you're so tiny," then I I, I can see how that might also be like. Eh. But I'm not a chihuahua, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, Grace says, Grace says, no, no, I'll pass. But Flint, he's he's very insistent. He wraps his arm around her and basically. Just, I, I seriously picture this like an Edward Cullen run, but with one arm just straight out and Grace is just <laughs> bent over that arm. Like her back is just bent over that arm and he is just running up the steps. And we've got- And Mace- he's carrying two suitcases as well. <laughs> this man is beefy, apparently. Macy's behind dragging her suitcase. Wait. She's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can handle this. She's just getting out of breath, like. <laughs> the thing is, Macy Macy uh, isn't gifted with super strength the way that everybody else is. I've never heard at one point in the stories Macy ever having a phenomenal supernatural amount of strength. <laughs> See, th- this is where my little like fan theory is that because if people know what Macy is, who are listening, I definitely think that when people weren't looking, she was using her power. <laughs> Oh, and, yeah. And they, they, they turn around and she's like at the top of the stairs, elbow on the suitcase, like, whew, that was heavy. <laughs> that was so heavy. Whew, aren't you guys hot? <laughs> like wipes her forehead. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so. And then when we get to the room, we obviously find out that Macy has a little bit of a, a crush on Flint as well. Yeah, she she gets she's like in super denial too because she has a boyfriend, but you can definitely tell that and, and Grace, it's funny that they haven't hardly talked at all and one of the first things that Grace says is you've got a crush on on Flint. Like I don't know if that if I had just met a family member that I had not seen in in years and I finally am alone with them, I don't think that that would be the very first thing that I would point out. I think I would <laughs> let it go and save that until I was a little bit more comfortable with that person. Yeah. And then you also find out that, like, I think that she goes, oh, yeah, but I don't like him like that. Like, and then it? you're like, you like him exactly like that. Yeah, that's... Like, you going all that, like, schoolgirl, giggly, like, blushing, can't get word in edgeways, making weird noises that you can't control when they're around. (laughs) I absolutely was that person. (laughs) Yeah, that's... And, and, uh, she, she's also, 
trying to kind of stay away from him too. I noticed that, that Macy's, she almost was like, she was unhappy when her uncle calls Flint over to help. She's just like, Oh no. Like she, it's almost like she knows that she's going to slip up and, and show herself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, one of the little things that I really, really enjoyed, because there's a lot of foresight that takes place in these first few chapters, and it went over my head on my first read through. Uh, a lot Same. of it went over my head. I highly recommend reading the books twice for anybody who's who's gone through them. Um, yeah, all the foresh- all the foreshadowing that you read is like, oh, why didn't I see it? And there was so much beginning because. Uh, it's like Tracy was trying to casually sprinkle in clues, but I was just so convinced. Like this, yeah. Well, I was like, this is a vampire story. This is a vampire story. <laughs> I, I can see that it's a vampire story because there's blood on the cover. So this is a vampire story. And then once I got into it, I'm like, oh, this is not a vampire story. There's, there's a lot going on here. Um, but when Macy says, I wish I could just wave a wand and put everything back the way it used to be because Grace was, you know, kind of breaking down in front of her. I read that a second time. And the, I mean, the first time it went over my head. And then the second time I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely think that she was definitely waving wands. She's waving it like behind Grace's back. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, they're not looking quick. Make this easier for myself. We need we need like the the Twilight Jasper character who can regulate uh, emotions. I think that 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 would be a very beneficial character for for Grace to have around. We need somebody. Wouldn't that be Mecky? You're right. That would be Mecky. You're right. <laughs> but he's not. He's not really used it so far. No, it's 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 only it's only very briefly touched on. He's one of my favorite characters too, though. I, I enjoy his character. I wish we got more of him. Um. So, I think that Macy also always has what Grace needs. Like, that's it's just true. ready. It's there. Yeah. Like, she's always going to the mini fridge. She's always got things. Ice cream, Dr. Pepper. Uh, you, she, she knows, you know, to when to have music on. Like, Macy is the power character of the story. And I don't think that we are given enough to adequately appreciate her because you can tell that Tracy really wants us to focus on like, here's Jackson, here's Flint. And she really is directing a lot of attention to them because Grace is constantly thinking about them. But while Grace is in her head thinking about these characters, Macy is the one standing right in front of her, like helping her and constantly there and noticing when Grace is going through things mentally. Yeah, and also gives her the pause to not have to talk about them. It it was nice to see that she wasn't just pushing for that conversation. She just kind of let it slide and was like, here's what we're going to do. You're going to have a shower. I'm going to unpack for you. And then whilst I'm unpacking, I'm also going to make you some soup. How does that sound? And then Grace is like, actually, that is exactly what I need. I didn't know I needed that. But having someone tell me what that's what we're going to do, not do you want this? Do you want that? Because sometimes when you're having an anxious moment, having those questions just bombard you makes it worse. But somebody going, okay, this is what we're going to do. 
And it wasn't even like a control or a power thing. It was just Macy knowing what Grace needed to just chill. Right. She's like, right, you're you're, going to go do this. I'm going to do this. And then we will revisit this conversation. It's offering the sure thing because when Grace's entire life has been uncertainty over the last few months, she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know where she's going to end up. And then she ends up at Katmere and she doesn't know what that's going to be like. She doesn't know how to dress. She doesn't know who her cousin has, you know, grown into. She doesn't, she doesn't know a thing. And just to have someone who is able to tell her, this is, this is what we are going to do. Here is the sure thing. Here is, and you can take that time that you need to get acclimated. That's a really, really powerful, powerful thing to have. It's powerful to have a friend who understands you in that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Grace even understands that Grace, uh, that Macy was absolutely going to do the things that she said she was going to do. Because Grace comes out of the shower, gets straight into bed and falls asleep. And in the morning, Macy's like, oh, no, I I already unpacked for you. I didn't want you to have to worry about something, having to do something in the morning when you already had so much to do. Um, And that is me. That that is me where, where somebody says that they're going to do something, but I always anticipate that they're just not. So I never, ever expect them to do it. And when they do do it, it's always such a happy little surprise. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, going, going back a little bit, um, that night, Grace, I feel she lays down and Macy says that she unpacks right after Grace falls asleep. So it's almost like Macy was sitting there waiting for Grace to fall asleep and then she unpacked her bags for her. But Grace is laying there in bed and has, those those first like real overwhelming panic attacks where she doesn't know what to do she has no idea how she's going to get back to sleep but she knows that if she continues laying there that she's just going to dwell on things Uh, and this is where amber and i are in that agreement of if you are in a spooky school um maybe don't get out of bed in the middle of the night because it's happened to Harry Potter and I feel like I've read this over and over again, but just, yeah. Don't get out of bed guys. Don't get out of bed. Like get up and do a puzzle or make a drink, have another shower, read a book. Don't leave your room. Yeah. Stay. Bad things happen. (laughs) If you're in a spooky school, stay in your room and get at least you know what at least grace has instagram harry harry wasn't laying in bed grabbing his phone and scrolling through instagram you know he had to just lay there and stare at the ceiling or look out the window or he he wasn't able to do anything so of course he's walking around the damn school looking looking getting himself into trouble but grace she's got she could watch youtube you know she's got netflix My issue is whenever you mention the word Harry in relation to Crave, all I can think of is Harry Styles from Harry Potter. <laughs> and I was like, why is she talking about One Direction? I'm confused. What? He's like, Harry doesn't have Instagram. And I'm like, I bet he does. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so she has her, her panic attack. She's going through this full, like, fear of the unknown thing, which, 
I, I pointed this out during our, our, our first recording, and so much has happened just since we re- recorded the first version of episode two. But I, I had to point out that there are some funny parallels to the book that I wrote that's coming out in January, because my character does the exact same freaking thing. She's laying in bed in a strange place that's unfamiliar to her, and she gets out of bed and she go gets herself in trouble. So, so I'm going to go on an adventure in the <laughs> middle of the night. <laughs> like, oh, what what trouble could I? And that's always what they think. What trouble could I possibly get myself into in the middle of the night? It All should the be trouble. Fine. All of it. <laughs> All the trouble. And of course, Grace does get herself in trouble because we have that very strange uh, altercation between Quinn and Mark, which they come through the door and are in banties and i totally imagine them in like jorts i just full out imagine <laughs> them twilight werewolves like they're just they're in their banties and jorts and just super hot just can't i can't regulate my temperature so i go out for a run in the arctic snow in jorts <laughs> with a nose ring do you know how cold pier- metal piercings get I do not. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a big, what she said, like a big black septum ring, right? One of them did. Oh. So, yeah, he's probably got some booger popsicles coming out of his nose. (laughs) Piercing. I've got my, I've got a big, uh, very large lip piercing in it. It gets quite cold. Um, But what was really weird about that encounter is they start sniffing Grace and which is weird. I mean, it's a bit more weird than touching the stranger's face, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. She in like, would you rather someone sniff you or touch your face? Well, I guess it depends on who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess smell, smelling is such a weird thing. Like you would always like liken it to an animalistic thing. Now, and unless unless it's followed with, oh my god, I love your perfume. Right. Then the encounter is weird. Is it now? How how are we visualizing this sniff? Is it like a? Are are you picturing like when a dog gets a little whiff of you and they kind of like lean forward without getting too close? But if you move too sharply, they jump backwards. Like one of those sniffs. Or are we picturing like Bella walking into the biology class and Edward grasping <laughs> his nose? Like what type of sniffing is this? I am imagining like nostrils flaring. You know, like that really subtle like sniff that dogs do. Yeah, yeah, um, like just a little, like a little bit. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that when this comes to a movie, um, that they actually get the actors to actually do that and not do the Edward Cullen, like, or or sniff the baseball. Like, no, don't do that. <laughs> the baseball scene in Twilight when James like sniffs and he went, "You brought a snack." Like, yeah. How did he not smell that before? <laughs> Because taking her hair down uh, was going to cover up the scent, you know. That's that's how yeah. that works. I've They need to actually use the Jacobson organ in their nose, properly smelling it, not doing an inhale with the nose. That's like a full huff, you know, like... The- yeah. <sighs> it's weird. Like, as soon as you do that, it becomes creepy. But if you, like, actually sniff like a dog, then it would maybe allude to what they are maybe a bit too early i don't know i i am interested to see how they portray this scene 
And, and, you know, the, the thing about animal smells versus people smelling is that animals do like that full palate smell where it goes in through their nose, but it's almost like they can taste the smell different than what, what people can. That's, it's like a full palate thing. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very nervous about the movies. What I'm hoping that they don't do is they make it like a fun, fun monster high, like teen wolf. <laughs> kind of silly. I, I'm so afraid that it's, uh, if they did it Harry Potter style and not like first, like Harry Potter movies, like, you know, later, Let's later. Let's turn the hairdryer on. Yeah, like later. Like special effects, really la- bad. <laughs> later in the series, you know, um, I think that, and, and, you know, cause snakes totally blink. That's my biggest beef with the first Harry Potter movie. I'm like, snakes do not blink. They don't have eyelids. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that if they, if they took it that approach and did it more like the last Harry Potter, um, last harry potter movies that it'll go really well and i'm hoping that they that they take it that route and not like a fun like bubbly like oh silly silly teenage teenagers and i I don't know um but i also hope that they don't put a teal filter over everything and make everything green (laughs) yeah you know what i think it would be cool if they did have their own filter though not not teal but if they gave it i love the ambience of a fully immersive movie that has a stylized palette because Harry Potter did, even if you don't notice it, the walls are all the same color. Um, the outdoor scenes have a bit of a filter on them. Um, and obviously their clothing is all very, very, uh, similar. There is a defined palette to all of the Harry Potter movies other than the very last Deathly Hallows, I feel it went with a much darker, eerier palette. And when you were hit with that, it was similar to how I, I don't fun fact about um New Moon, but the scene in Volturra, Italy, they made sure that they did not use any red in the entire movie. That way the scene where Bella is running through uh the festival, it popped. So I did not know that. Yeah, they made sure to not use that bright red in any of the scenes. So I always I found that to be a, a very cool uh mechanic that they added. But but anyway, back to uh back to um Grace and this her altercation. Her sniffing her sniffing friends. Um <laughs> <laughs> they start trying to drag her outside and Grace like she whoops some ass. She she is just so you guys know, if you ever are grabbed by somebody, you do what Grace Kick, did. Scream, punch, bite, scratch. Do absolutely everything you possibly can and make yourself as loud and as difficult as possible so that the person just gives up and thinks you're not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you fight and do not worry about the consequences if you are being snatched. You you do everything that you can. Grace, I was very impressed with her because I was not mm-hmm. expecting this is the first time that we have seen some like pure hostility in Grace. And I think that it really showed her character and I I loved it. But she did And she's at a school. She's not even prepared for this kind of altercation. Like yeah. she's at school. It's not like she's going down a dark alley and pre- you know, like you mentally prepare yourself. Okay, oh wait, okay. If I get jumped, this is what I'm gonna do. She's just walking the hallways of a school. In her pajamas. In her pajamas. And then she gets a, like attacked. Like 
and threatened with death. It's not like, oh, we're going to just chuck you outside and teach you a lesson because you're locked out of the school. They're threatening her with death because it is so cold outside that yeah. she would get hypothermia and die. Yeah, I live I live in Ohio and I mean it gets cold here. It definitely gets cold enough to to die if you were to not have adequate warmth. And I think about what it must be like in Alaska. I mean anybody who lives close to the equator, like you guys, I'm sure that the the idea of being so cold that you die within 10 minutes is probably insane, but it it really is that cold where if you don't die, uh your limbs begin getting frost yeah they they get frostbite they literally die you i have my mom is uh she works in a nursing home and i have seen people with toes that have turned black and are just beginning to fall off because they have died um so this is a terrifying situation for her but she is able to bite one of them i can't even remember who had her um she's able to bite them and they release her and then she just starts seeing them fly across the room. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like, you know, like, did I do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> they're just, they're just, it's raining men. Um, but then she runs into that wall of muscle, the mysterious wall of muscle. Uh, which, which uh, I believed was Finn. But then you corrected me and said that I don't think that Uncle Finn would be described as a wall of muscle. Ooh, <laughs> Uncle Finn. You know, Amber, in our defense, Amber and I are 28 and 29. So we're allowed to be like, ooh, Uncle Finn. <laughs> Just like we're, and, I'm that way with Charlie. Yeah, and you already have your like ideal casting of who you want as Uncle Finn. Oh, hell yeah, Brendan Fraser. Guys, <laughs> Brendan Fraser has gone through so much. If you don't know what happened to Brendan Fraser, make sure that you read up on it. But this man has gone through so much and he deserves to be cast. And I swear, I will, I will send letters and letters and letters to Universal Studios if they start casting because I want Brendan Fraser as Finn. He deserves it. He is a wholesome man and this is a wholesome role. Unless, unless we find out something awful about you know, Uncle Finn in court. Uh, but even if that, <laughs> even if that were the case, Brendan Fraser would just do a fantastic job. I'm, I'm all for him taking that role. But, uh, Start the hashtag friend Fraser for Finn. Yes, Fraser for Finn. <laughs> but, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Finn. It was Jackson who was the solid wall of muscle. Um, I, I, you know, I imagine Jackson, I mean, I imagine him to be like, muscular but i also imagine him to be like really skinny like about as muscular as a as a uh you know who who is the lulu lucky on instagram the way that she draws jackson is pretty much exactly how i picture jackson (laughs) good likeness to our imagination yes i think that i i didn't i don't quite um imagine her version of flint uh the way that i pictured flint but i because he's brendan fraser in your mind no, Flint, or that's Flint. Oh, Flint. Yeah, Flint. I don't quite picture Flint to look the way that she draws him, um, but Jackson is definitely how I picture him. So you should follow her on Instagram. It's uh, underscore Lulu underscore Lucky, and she does fantastic fan art. She does, actually, I think she does uh, more fan art for Crave than anybody I've ever seen do fan art for Crave. So, um, but anyway, so Grace runs into Jackson. And 
here's where things are confusing because Jackson looks at Quinn and Mark and he says, you know, the rules, what are the rules? We never find out the rules. We never find out. We do. We we do know that they had assemblies about grace coming and Mm -hmm. apparently some rules were mentioned on how they should like treat her. But at that point, and also for the like subsequent chapters, all I was thinking was that the entire school are being made to kind of keep things stum, that they're not allowed to let her know what things are lurking in the hallways. Which is really just poor planning, because, I mean, she got to the school and she's already hearing a ruckus outside. She's hearing she's hearing noises and, and howls, and I'm I'm positive that these are students, you know, out shenaniganing outside because the Quinn and Mark already said, well, the, the moon is doing its thing. So. (sighs) (laughs) And what could that mean if not for a wolfy thing? Right. I mean, I see the whole time I was still just like either, either vampires or, or wolves when I was reading it. But I think my, my brain definitely went to wolves because of those twilight similarities of the body heat and the, this mm-hmm. that that outfits that were not uh good for yeah i definitely think that the noises that grace is hearing are the other students who have been told by uncle finn not to sort of show her what they are and having the only opportunity to be their other selves it's like i'm just outside it's like it's <laughs> like when when the kids are being loud in the house they're like you know what if you want to do that you go outside <laughs> you are going to use your inside voice in the castle outside if you want to screech like that <laughs> yeah like i'm imagining they're just all out at 3 a.m in the morning just, <laughs> just running around just doing like woo, getting all their energy out <laughs> oh, and then they're walking back through the doors like right human human channel my inner human human and then and then sniff 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 <laughs> Well, I mean, at that point, she'd already seen them come in from the 20 to, like, 20 below, I think that she said. 20 below freezing. That she's seen them just walk in in just banties and what we're imagining to be shorts. (laughs) Jorts. Uh, Well, uh, thankfully, Jackson's able to to run them off. But then he's back with even less personal space than in uh, chapters one through three, because he notices that Grace is bleeding and, you know, we'll, we'll just, uh, throw out the quick disclaimer. Um, it, even, we, we don't shame whatever you're into, whatever your, whatever your kink is, whatever you like. That's cool. That's all good and well. But what Jackson did, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. Because he decided that he was going to, uh, wipe away the blood from her lip and just give it a little give it a little taste give it a little and then num 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 tasty <laughs> so yeah I, I well in 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 this world that's okay i guess well actually you know it's kind of weird but um maybe don't in his world it's okay just not in front of somebody who is not a consenting stranger <laughs> Yeah, that was, and, and really, you don't know where they came from. You don't know what's in their blood. It could be any kind of pathogens, any kind of germs. Don't, don't, don't lick strangers' blood. But what was 
his guys. Ob- what was his objective here? What's he do? Is he is he? I mean, he's telling her to stay away. He's telling her it's not safe. He's telling her to leave. But then, what? I mean, why? What? Even if he is, even if he isn't, you know, human. Why? What's? <laughs> what are you going to accomplish by doing that? I don't know. Maybe he was hungry. Maybe he wanted a midnight snack. Is that how that works? That doesn't seem... I don't... I don't know. <laughs> Is it like having like a little... A little a little bag of chips? Is that what that it, is? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. And then also, he, does, he doesn't say like, Oh, does it hurt? Are you okay? He just goes, Oh, you're bleeding. Nom, 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 nom. Right. <laughs> may, I, may I have some? May I have a taste? <laughs> and meanwhile, Grace is like, Yeah, that was sexy. <laughs> no... No, no it was not. No, Grace, you need to go away. But then, of course, he's like, run, run, go, go, go. And uh, yeah, so I think that we are safe to go ahead and bump into spoilers because there's more I would like to unpack here. <gasps> oh, 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 just in time. Just in time. Did you hear that? So let's go ahead and say goodbye to everybody who uh, has not read after chapter seven. So long, farewell. We will miss you, but you can always tune back in after you have caught up. Uh, For everybody else, let's get into the second half of the podcast. So my question is, when he was tasting her blood and he like warned her off, was he going Twilight Feral? Like, was he going full Jasper in the beginning of New Moon where, like, he gets that little taste of blood or that little that little bit of blood and he is afraid that he's just going to unleash on her? Because in the, you know, throughout the story, Jackson never behaves like that other than when he's poisoned by Leah. Like, has he seen- Yeah, poisoned by Leah. And then also there was that moment where he starts the earthquake and the window shatters. I thought that that was also a moment where he was losing control. That's, that's true. But then obviously it wasn't. <laughs> right. He didn't, he didn't like actually lose control in the sense that he went like animalistic and wanted to like, you know, drain her of her, of her blood. Um, and then Grace thinks that he did as well because she wakes up in hospital and they're like, yeah, we had to give you a blood transfusion because your like carotid artery was severed. And she's like, oh, okay then. Yeah. And you know, if there was ever a time for him to lose control around a lot of blood, that would have been that it. That would have been it. Because yeah. he had to- I don't, I don't think those vampires in this book are like that. I, I don't think that. I think what he was having was a major case of the hornies. You need to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to go because I just tasted your blood and I'm going to do things to you that we should not do in a corridor at 3 a.m. And she would have too. I, I feel, I very much feel that Grace is so like swooning over Jackson that it might be a thing that she, she would do and then like regret as well. Because especially when they are obviously, I mean, with the face touching, they were mated from that moment on and they feel that connection to each other. That could have been one of those things where, you know, it might've just sounded like a fantastic idea to grace. If, if he, yeah. cause she even says that she thinks he's going to kiss her on, you know, several occasions. Right. Yeah. And I, and I also think that like going back to the wolves being able to smell that grace was slightly different. Why couldn't Jackson taste that she was different? I mean, we could, we could argue the fact that because he's tasting her blood 
and he does go a bit loopy, that maybe he just thinks, oh, this is what it tastes like to taste your mate's blood, that there's something super special about their blood that makes you go a little bit lala. Yeah, it's just, you know... Or maybe that's gargoyle blood. Gargoyle blood just tastes really good. But either... The thing is, of everybody who could have noticed that there was something up with Grace, it was it was Mark and Quinn, because when they sniffed her, they said, she's got something going on, but they didn't know what it was yet. And then they said, let's see what she can do when they wanted to throw her out in the snow. So they can smell that she isn't human. Um, what? I'm just I'm just wondering... Did you pick up on that at all? No, not at all. Not not my Nor first. Nor did I. <laughs> yeah, first read through. I just thought that they were being assholes. I didn't. I thought they were being really rapey and be like, "Oh, she's got a little summon summon." Yeah, exactly. I thought that it. W- I like. I actually got a little bit. Um, I was like getting those uncomfortable feels that you get when you read like a a scene that's about to get like sexually violent um triggered yeah yeah i started (laughs) i started to get that you know that feeling you get in your stomach but then you can't stop reading because you have to know what happens i started feeling yeah i started feeling that way but then it you know i i fully expected jackson to come in and save the day um because that's just how novels work yeah exactly that's that's how books (laughs) work the 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 good guy comes in and uh and saves the day which is actually overall that's why crave is my least favorite of all the books because uh grace is at her most vulnerable state and she doesn't have a lot of fight left in her right now just because she's already dealt with so much but once hudson is in her head he starts getting that back he starts actually blowing on the flames and and really inspiring her to not just become a a stronger person but to become a new person to become a a better person and you know i got i get a lot of people who argue and on our instagram page and they disagree that and and say that jackson is the better partner but the reason that i say that that is not true and even tracy she messaged us in agreement of what i had said is that jackson loves grace there's no doubting that i'm not saying that he's a bad person or that he doesn't love her he loves loves him exactly but at the same time he doesn't challenge her the way that hudson does as a person in a way that will help her overall growth and the unfortunate thing about that is you know when you read about someone taking care of you all the time like edward taking care of bella christian gray taking care of anna um when you read these stories where the whole point is that the man kind of takes away choice so that the female can not have to think about it and will just be safe and loved and protected. Like that sounds so nice. And I'm sure in some cultures, it's actually probably more normal than others because we should also consider that there are going to be uh, cultural limitations here where that might be more ideal for some females that being taken care of might be seen as what is the most attractive. But I would say in, in Western society, um, and and me being someone who has been married for going on 11 years now i was married when i was uh 18 years old and i'm still i'm still with my husband but you know the whole <laughs> you added that <laughs> yeah i'm still with him um but being taken care of to that extent is very nice until it isn't and until you are made to feel that you're being 
taken care of because you are incapable of taking care of yourself. And it, it feels really cute, you know, for, I would say that feelings f- is, is there for like three years. And after that, you start to decide that you, you know, you want may- independence, right? Maybe you want to make some of your own choice. Maybe, maybe you want to go to go somewhere and, you know, not have your partner with you. Maybe you want to do something and, you know, do it for you, do it for yourself and not have to yeah. worry. I mean, being in a relationship where they are constantly caring for you and taking care of your every need, it, it leaves no room to develop your own personality because you never grow a backbone. You never grow any confidence in yourself. You never learn how to do things on your own. If they're always looking after you, you've got no room for growth. And the moments with Hudson are probably the most testing that she has had, but it's because he is testing her. He's, he's giving her a challenge. He's making her into who he believes she could be. And he sees potential in her. It's like, um, you going on that like fueling and fire analogy is that Jackson wants her flames to be contained and never go anywhere. Whereas Hudson's like, look, if you want to burn, burn. But if you just want to smolder down on the side, you can do that too. But I know that you can burn. Right. And he leaves the, Hudson always leaves the choice up to her. And uh, mm-hmm. I actually found the the answer where someone had asked uh, what team, Hudson or Jackson, and I had said Teen Hudson. But my my reason why... That And this is the one that Tracy actually responded to personally. I said, Jackson displays the typical toxic personality traits that we see in a lot of modern romance. And while it's cute in context of fantasy, just like with Edward Cullen and Christian Grey, the removal of freedom and choice is only attractive for so long. It's not maintainable. Hudson struggles internally with Grace's choices, but he never questions her or questions her, dictates her decisions, or leads her to believe that she is incapable. And while Jackson may say that he's doing those things out of love for her, what he's really doing her or doing to her is showing her that she isn't capable of taking care of herself. And um if if you love Grace for who she is in the more recent books, then just love her knowing that it was with Hudson's assistance that she was able to break through that barrier and get pushed to be that person. Because I do feel that she would not have evolved the way that she did if she would have stayed with Jackson because Jackson constantly tried to cage her. And Hudson also, he, um, he acknowledges the fact that Grace, despite him loving her to the ends of the earth, he acknowledges that she may just need to be with Jackson so that his brother survives. Yes. Jackson's reaction to Hudson being her mate was nothing but jealousy. It was never an acknowledgement of the fact that some things are meant to be, that Hudson and Grace clearly formed the correct mating bond. I mean, I don't think that he ever knew that it was a false one that he had with Grace. No. She never told him. But yeah, um, she 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 creates this mating bond with Hudson and he could have looked at it and gone okay this is who you're supposed to be with mating bonds don't just happen and they definitely don't happen twice within a like week or whatever it was 
and definitely not between brothers without it being on purpose but instead he falls into this deep pit of despair and yes admittedly he does lose his soul uh, his soul is broken because of it but he he's never a wholesome person when he knows that grace is with hudson it's always a bit of jealousy there he can't control showing it and he's not doing things sad. that are just good for grace either like her birthday party yeah, that was a really petty thing to do, to give her the, the painting back, or the drawing back. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't want it anymore. I don't have any use for it anymore. And, like, Grace was supposed to accept this gift. And it wasn't really a gift. It was a guilt trip. Yeah. And, and, and I am the queen of being on the receiving end of guilt trips. And that, guys, was a guilt trip. Yeah, because that was her moment. Like that, she was describing that as if it was going to be like, that was, she was so happy. It was like one of the happiest moments for her. And she has all this impending doom right around the corner. But on the bright side, had to remind her. Right. Exactly. It's like there's all this impending doom and she's having this great time, you know, being able to forget about it. And yeah, Jackson had to break into that and kind of push her buttons for no reason. No reason at all. Like, he could have got rid of that that painting on his own. But also, if he really loved her, like, really, really, really loved her, as if Hudson loves her, then he would keep that painting because he would probably see, well, this is the, the only thing that reminds me of her that I can keep. And I bought it for a reason. I bought it for a reason because it reminded me of Grace even before I knew her. When you love someone truly, you love them no matter who they're with. If Scott, my husband, tomorrow said, well, I'm not happy in this relationship anymore. I, I, I want to leave. Obviously, I would fight for my relationship. I would want to save my marriage. But also, I would want him to be happy. And if he wasn't happy with me, then I would bless him leaving. And that that is obviously such a painful thing to know. And I would never, ever want it to happen. But that's what happens when you love them. And I know that this is really cringy saying, but if you love them, then let them go. But that's because you want them to be happy. And happy doesn't involve chains. It doesn't involve attached strings. It it just is there, no matter what happens. And I think that's what's so cringy about um, the whole... The I mean, I'm I am a diehard Twilight fan, and I've I've I think I've already mentioned in episode one that I actually own Robert Pattinson's coat that he wore. <laughs> in so I am I am beyond a Twilight fan. However, I, I think told that my friend that you bought the coat, and she said, "Did she sniff it?" That is what everybody asks me. Everybody wants to know what it smells like. It smells very good. It smells like like orange peel and tobacco. Um, but you know, that's what I found so cringy about the, about Jacob is he's like, you know, you love me. You just won't admit it to yourself. You, I, you know, I will keep fighting for you. And that is a, there is a difference between an unconditional love and a selfish love. An -hmm. unconditional love is saying, I will love you. I am so in love with you that I want to make sure that you are happy, even if that happiness means that I cannot have you. There's that form of love, which is, you know, a, a mature love that you feel a little bit, I think, later in life. Um, but then there is the love 
that you feel first, the strong love that you get when you're younger. And that is where you say, I love you so much that I will do anything to have you and I can make you happy. And I, and I, and I, and I, how can I make you fall in love with me? No, you can't make anyone fall in love with you. And you certainly can't bang your head against a wall until it happens. There's, there's no forcing it. It just is usually an easy fall. Yeah. When it is true love. And that sounds so cringy, but it is. It's like a, this person annoys me the least out of all <laughs> the people. And therefore I love them completely. But and they also infuriate you because you live with them. <laughs> and and when they feel the same way about you, then you know that, that things are going to work out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So another thing about that scene that I that we didn't get to talk about the first time we recorded the podcast, uh, but I reread the scene again with the gifts in Covet. And I know that obviously we're not talking about those chapters right now, but just since we're bringing it up, you know, all of Grace's friends were at the party and I believe it was Mecky, either Mecky or Luca and Flint who were like, yeah, you should keep it because they didn't know. Do you know? And that was so awkward for Grace where she couldn't say anything. She, it was like an inside secret thing with her and Jackson and nobody knew. And her mate was there. Uh, Hudson was standing like right there, but Jackson gives her this gift that nobody else knows the significance of. And everybody's like, Oh wow, that's so cool. That's so neat. And Grace is going to look like a total biatch if she's just like, no, I can't. I no, don't want it. Right. I don't want this. I don't, I don't want this thing, even though she really didn't want it. She didn't because it wasn't a gift. It was a thing with a lot of negativity attached to it. And she never does anything with it. It's not like she goes like runs back to her room and hangs it up on the wall or anything. Not that she has time because that's true. At every point, she's got to do something that involves saving her life. But yeah, she, she does, she doesn't immediately run off and put it up on the wall. No. So it it feels more like a burden to bear. Jackson didn't want to bear that burden anymore, so he passed it on on to her. Which was very selfish and very childish. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead, since we are pretty far into this podcast, I think we talked longer this episode than we did during our first recording, which is great. That's that's even better. <laughs> um so Fan question of the week. We had you guys ask us some questions and we have a whole stockpile of them. So it'll probably be a while before we have to request questions again. But uh, one of you had asked to please give your opinion on Leah. And we have opinions. So Amber, would you <laughs> like to start with your opinion on Leah in Crave? Because she's really made out to be like the spawn of satan <laughs> um i was suspicious of her immediately i mean firstly anybody would be suspicious coming across someone chanting in some archaic language hood and robe in the middle of the school day when everybody else is at a party and just she's just sat there like talking in tongues reading out of a weird creepy book and then she closes then, it really fast yeah the moment that she notices you watching she's like nope let's go you're not watching this um you should come to my room we should do face masks and we should have cocktails and we should we should we should be best friends you you're gonna be my best friend and we're gonna do all of this together and yeah like let's go and i'm like you're suspicious 
but it was no a one is that thing. nice no one is that nice that sickly sweet without an agenda yeah other than well i was gonna say other than flint but that's not true because he was but he of- was like a genuine nice whereas leah was too much too soon uh, yeah she, she she rang the alarm bells there were definitely a lot of red flags and i still don't know what would have happened if grace had finished drinking her tea that's because true like i think that you said in the in the first round of the podcasts that you you think that she was maybe testing the dosage which creeps me even more out yeah, because, you know, the first time that they, they drank the tea, they, it was just Leah and Grace in her room. And then Macy is texting nonstop, um, you know, freaking out because she can't find Grace. And Grace is like, it's cool. I'm with Leah. And then Macy freaks out about that. So already. She turns like, up immediately at the door as well. Yeah. Which makes me wonder whether Macy had her sus- suspicions anyway. But all she says was like, I, I can't believe that your best friends already with the three most influential people in the school like flint leah and jackson all have paid special interest in grace and that immediately screams suspicious well we've got we basically have the vampire prince the dragon prince and then the the girlfriend of the dead vampire prince like when you think yeah. of it, like taking a step back and looking at it, you know, past just popularity, like it's even more extreme when you look at it like that. Um, so, you know, Leah to me had those parallels to how Cho was manipulated in Harry Potter, where, yes. She was doing some crazy stuff. She had this, I mean, she killed Grace's parents. How long, how long was she planning this? Like this was a whole big orchestrated, insane, psychotic thing. However, I'm not justifying her behavior, not justifying that she killed, you know, her killing of Grace's parents and everything that she did to try to murder Grace, but she was under the direct influence of Hudson. Hudson. Yes. Hudson obviously has the power to manipulate and Hudson was going to do anything he could to, to be revived back, you know, and Leah was going to do anything she could to bring him back because she loved him. So it's yeah. really, it is a sad thing. I, I, Leah, I don't think that Hudson tried to get revived. I don't think he knew it was within the true. realm of possibility. He just, he didn't realize his own power when he said, you will always love me or you will never stop loving me. And that's a really sad thing to make someone promise. Because if you, if you said that to someone and they had to take it as the truth of, of every, every fiber of their being had to follow what you said of you will never stop loving me. That's an entirely selfish thing to tell someone. Especially that young. Yeah. Like when I was, when I was 17, I mean, obviously I met my husband when I was 17, but when I had like first turned 17, um, I was, I was with a guy who I thought that I was so in love with and he was insanely abusive, but I had it in my head that he was going to be my life partner because I had been with him for six years 
And if anyone would have told me back then that someday you will not remember exactly what his face looks like, you will not remember, you know, all the times that I laid in a bed and just like looked at him while he was asleep and studied every little contour of his face. If someone would have told me back then that someday you won't even remember what he looked like, what his voice sounded like, any of it, it will it will cease to exist from your memory. Back then, I would have said, you are absolutely crazy. I am in love with this boy. But now I think back to it and I can't remember because mm -hmm. it was so long ago. And despite the fact that I spent six years with him, my life continued moving even without him. Um, and I am significantly happier now, even though back then I thought that there is no way that I can be any happier. I was able to be happier and, and move away from a very abusive relationship. And the way that Hudson left Leah with these, you know, the responsibility of making sure that she is able to bring him back so that they can continue on. It's, it's, it's really a sad story. Yes. And I, I mean, I remember being 14 and I was in a relationship I really should not have been in. Um, it was, it was definitely a, a grooming situation. And I remember him telling me over and over and over again, we are soulmates. There is no one else but you that we will be together forever. Even if we're with other people, I will always love you. You will always be my soulmate. I memorized his phone number because my phone get kept on being taken away so that I wouldn't be talking to this person that I should not have been talking to. And I memorized his phone number so that I could call him or text him from any phone. It didn't matter. I could have a secret phone and I could text him. I don't remember that number yet anymore. And I remembered that number for six years of my life. I wasted six years of my life, like fawning, mooning after this good, like this guy that had groomed me into believing that I I was his be all and end all and when you're that young you are that impressionable to believing anything that anybody that you respect that you love you will believe anything that they say because you haven't got anybody else to tell you otherwise and even if they do tell you otherwise you're like no that that can't be true so and so said and it's a a very easy way to be influenced into doing something that you categorically would have never done had you not been in that relationship. Yeah, because and I think that it was the case with Leah. You also feel like they're, they have an expectation of you and you, it, once they set that expectation, even if it's not something that you would naturally on your own meet without their influence, with their influence, you feel obliged to meet that expectation. Mm-hmm. I don't think Leah was necessarily a bad person. It no. was just the fact that she, and, and I think that Hudson actually says in as many words, like she was my girlfriend. And I also don't think that Hudson, our like dreamboat of a guy, our hunker hunker burn in love would not have been with a woman that was the worst person of the world. That's true. That's very, very true. And Hudson, I mean, he, I, I'm so glad that he, is able to admit his mm -hmm. wrongdoings. I think that that's, that's something that, um, not enough. Um, I think we see it mostly with male characters in fantasy, though. I'm sure that there are plenty of female characters who do it as well. Um, 
who don't. I didn't want to worry you. I didn't want to. I didn't right. want you to think less of me. He. I don't think he's ever said that. Whereas Jackson does nothing but keep secrets from Grace. That's true. That's very very um, true. I mean, Hudson only keeps that one secret of we knew each other, but I think that was because of there was so much hatred within Grace of him because of what she believed he to he was he could be that when he finally heard her voice and she was like oh no not you you're an evil piece of scum you're like the worst person in the world could you imagine like almost waking up next to your husband and him saying that to you just not remembering you at all uh, at all and also believing that you were the worst person in the world yeah you 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 would immediately close down i don't think that i would even plead because as me as my personality i would be like i i don't even know who i am anymore if you don't know who i am and we've lived together for this many years like <laughs> and you don't remember who i am i would i don't know whether i i don't know whether i would try and fight i i think that i would be like hudson and just be so sarcastic because what's and the just point? Be like, um, yeah, exactly. You would be you would be defeated. You you would just be like at, at this point. All you've got to do is wait until those memories resurface, or try and build up that point. You know when talking to your husband is like breathing. It's just so easy because you're best friends. It's like us in this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> like you just it, it 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 becomes that natural flow. I would probably just wait until that happened again where you realize that you had things in common that you could make each other laugh and he did he just waited and i don't think that those memories will ever pop back up um but i think that that was what he was waiting for was for her to realize that talking to him was like breathing and he allowed her to realize it on her own, on her time. Mm -hmm. He didn't force it on her. He didn't say, no, but we were, we were, we used to be, we were this, we like. See, uh, I think if he had done that, she would have immediately not believed him because of the fact that he is supposed to be able to convince you of anything. That's true. And I'm wondering whether Grace would even be invulnerable against that because magic does not work on her. Well, she did. He has taken over her body, so it might be the same. He's taken over her body, but he hasn't tried to convince her of anything. That's true. I mean, although, like, Jackson is also able to do things to her. Yeah, we don't really, we haven't really figured out, like, what the extent of what... <laughs> Glamours don't work. Shocking curtains don't work. <laughs> what works? What works? Um, so we had a fan poll that Amber set up this morning. Uh, first record of the pa fan poll, we asked a different question, but unfortunately we didn't only, save the screenshots. <laughs> we didn't save the screenshots. And those polls are obviously only in our Instagram stories for 24 hours. So uh, Am Amber did a fan poll today that I'm actually seeing for the first time because I didn't want to... Uh, I and I haven't seen the results either. Oh, okay. Well, then this will be a, a secret to you. Secret, I will, secret. I will ask you, which would you rather be? So the options were vampire, werewolf, witch, or dragon. So 
We asked you guys to answer. Amber, what do you think a majority chose? Knowing our audience. Vampire. And then what do you think the runner-up is? Dragon? What would you think would the would the least favorite be? Probably my favorite, which is the... Well, I don't know, actually, because everybody seems to have this like real like vendetta against um, werewolves in well, this book. But at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe a lot of people like dogs would like maybe want to be a dog, be a wolf. That would still be cool. Well... Oh, I'm going witch as okay. the least popular. Vampire was the fir- was the most voted at 53 votes. Okay. Uh, and this and this poll has only been up for like an hour, so that's we've had a lot of people vote. Uh, Dragon was number two. You were correct at 10 votes. Which is a pretty dope creature, to be honest, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because you could be you could just be fly. You could be. You could be huge. You could be huge. You could fly. You've got your dragon heart thing. You've got. There's so much. There's breathe just, fire or ice. Sometimes you can make flowers. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, that's no. That, I think Flint said that that was just him. He's special. Um, which was actually third most popular, and werewolf only had two votes. So not a lot of yeah. love for the werewolf. I mean, in this context, it's like. It seems like as as long as you were like a Hudson or Jackson vampire where you had all those powers, I would say that being a vampire would be pretty rad. But it would also be a pain in the butt because, I mean, honestly, I think I would say dragon for me because you get to eat normal food. Whereas vampire, you're stuck literally just drinking blood from a Gatorade container. And Um, mama likes her cheese. Yeah, I'm going to go with whichever one allows me to eat some cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, See, I went witch because you can literally do anything. That's true. You can open portals. You can make your face have makeup in seconds. Oh, that, yeah, you know. mm. You take two hours to put your face on. It doesn't you draw, take... <laughs> doesn't you draw take your own two. eyebrows. <laughs> I do. I do. And you know what? They're never even. And I bet if I was a witch, I could make sure that they were always perfect. Because they always say that your eyebrows are sisters, not twins. But I could make them <laughs> twins if I was a witch. It would make your face look so symmetrical and weird. Oh, perfectly symmetrical faces do not look natural. If no, they do not. If you've ever used one of those uh, filters that gives you a symmetrical <laughs> face, it, it looks really bad. But so that was our first question. And we normally do a, a more long like fan question where we ask something that requires you to actually type out a long answer and send it to us. But once again, uh, we lost the one that we used for the first recording. So instead, Amber just asked a, a little quick poll and that's where you guys live, which, you know what? I'm really surprised because uh, we've had, let's see, we've had quite a few people vote just in the hour that this that this poll has been up. And 25 people in the U.S. and 25 people in Europe. Now, from what we know about our podcast, it looks like I think 56% of our demographic is in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. But... There were three in Australia and 11 elsewhere. Are people in school right now? I believe so. If they're in the United States, they're likely. They, they, yeah, they might be at, still at school and might answer the poll when they come home. Whereas everyone in Europe would have come home from school three hours ago. 
Yeah. We notice that, that you guys tend to start listening to the podcast on Wednesdays uh, in the afternoon. So we assume that most of you are probably either high school, college, you know, Amber and I are just bums. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are our own bosses. Guys, thanks so much for watching. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you're new here. We have new episodes planned for every single Wednesday until we run out of book to talk about. And then maybe by that time we'll have a, maybe we'll have some movies to talk about who who knows but we uh we've got plenty to discuss over the next few months we hope that you'll tune in we are on spotify you can ask your alexa to play us we're now on google Podcasts, so if you have a google device you can ask your google home to play us uh we have a youtube channel that you can watch where there's some visuals that go along with the podcast and we're gonna be hosting a giveaway in episode four where we're giving away an exclusive hoodie that uh, i designed so you're not going to be able to find it anywhere else we won't be selling it um so make sure that you keep an eye out for that and follow us at crave series aesthetic on instagram because that is where we host all of the polls we ask you guys questions we announce new episodes and we do a lot of fun stuff over there so give us a follow and until next time guys have a great week <laughs>